So this morning, I'm, I'm, giving, I'm presenting the final sermon on our series on the Trinity and God, the Holy Spirit. And this morning, I, I just want to start by just acknowledging that there can be a lot of misunderstanding uh, when it comes to the, in regard to the Holy Spirit. And I, I want to acknowledge that a lot of us come from a lot of different backgrounds and had a, have had a lot of different experiences in regard uh, to maybe the Holy Spirit and what's been taught about the Holy Spirit and what you've experienced. I know there's a lot of backgrounds. I know uh, some of us here have a, have a Catholic background. Uh, some of us uh, here have a Pentecostal background. And, and I don't know if the town you grew up in was anything like the town I grew up. I grew up in a small town of, in Oklahoma. So if you ever wonder about me, that just kind of explains, you know, a lot about me. But I just grew up in this small town, Oklahoma, and we had the Pentecostals. We either had uh, the Pentecostal churches with, with no makeup or the Pentecostal churches with too much makeup. It was like, it was the two extremes. And, or, or maybe you have a, maybe a Methodist background, or maybe you have a, a Baptist background, or maybe you have no church background. This is your first time really being in church and learning of the things of God. So there's just this variety of backgrounds that we of, and experiences that we come with. And I, I just want to acknowledge that. And, and so often when it comes to things of the Holy Spirit, of talking about the Holy Spirit, uh, there, there's these extremes, extremes of fanaticism on one part of, of excess, and then extremes of maybe dryness and coldness on the other side. And, and we're, when it comes to the things of the Lord, we really don't ever want to be those extremes. Like we want to just be solid in, in the Word of God and in the Spirit of God. And and we, I'm sure most of us, and maybe not all of us, but if you've been around in church for a while, you've probably seen uh, people that, that talk about the Holy Spirit, and they're just a little weird, okay? I'll just be, they're just a little weird. And, and the reality is, is that they would probably, they're probably just weird anyway, and they just happen to be talking about the Holy Spirit, and he's not, it's not guilt by association. In fact, you know, I read a statistic, a statistic that, that one out of three people are weird. Did you know that? Just in general. One out of three people are weird. So, I mean, just take a moment and look to your left. Look to your right. If you don't see anybody weird, just saying. Actually, that statistic is not true. It's one out of two. One out of two are weird. I truly believe we can be normal and we can believe in the person of the Holy Spirit. We can operate in the power of the Holy Spirit. That We can be uh, naturally supernatural people. And it doesn't, doesn't have to be weird. Um, but, you know, there's fear. Often there's fear in regard to the Holy Spirit. There's, there's, there's concern or there's fear. Some people treat the Holy Spirit like their crazy uncle. And if they, they think if they just don't mention his name, he just won't show up, right? And, and that's not how it's intended to be. But there is, there's this fear uh, that, is, that has come across the church. I really believe this. There's a quote by A.W. Tozer uh, that, that says this. One of the most telling blows which the enemy ever struck at the life of the church was to create in her a fear of the Holy Spirit. It's strategic on the place of the enemy. Why is that? Why, why would that be so? Why is there so much misunderstanding? Why is there confusion? Why is there fear in regard to the Holy Spirit? And this is what I'm convinced of. This is what I believe, if, is that we know that the, the that our enemy, because we're part of God's family, so he's our enemy as well, the enemy, the devil, and, and the fallen angels, and that's a, like a whole nother sermon and series, but, but he's waging war. I mean, there's this, this battle in the heavenlies, and we know that Christ is the victor, but, but we struggle. Ephesians 5 talks about the spiritual warfare that goes on, and, and I believe that, 
that the, the reason that the enemy causes fear and, and deception and misunderstanding regarding the Holy Spirit is, is because uh, he's been around a long time, okay? He's been around a long, long time, and he remembers what the early church was like and when they walked in the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. And, and he remembers how they turned the world upside down without political power, without money, without prestige, uh, a persecuted people, they turned the world upside down because they operated in the power of the Holy Spirit and, and, and he was alive and, and active and moving in the early church. And he knows that if we, the church, the body of Christ today, are, operate in the same understanding, that we will do the same thing. We will turn this world right side up for Jesus. And so I believe that's why he brings... Um, concern and fear. And, and it's actually the opposite of who the Holy Spirit is. Apostle Paul tells us we've not been given a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power and love and a sound mind. And so I just want to acknowledge those things and just kind of dissipate those things this morning um, as we talk about them and just add, encourage you to be open uh, to the things of the Lord this morning. See, guys, my heart is not to bring a theological treatise on the third person of the eternal Godhead. That, that's, not, that's not what I want to do. What I want to do this morning is I want to encourage us to grow in our relationship with the Holy Spirit. Whether you've been walking with the Lord for 50 years or you've not yet put your faith in Jesus Christ, that, that through today, uh, that you would begin to, to, to open yourself up even more to the influence of the, of the Holy Spirit. And and my desire is, I know it's our, our staff's desire, is that we would be a, a church, a people, of the presence of the Holy Spirit, that, that he would be operating in us and through us, and, and, and what we do would be influenced and be touched by the Holy Spirit in our lives. And it is. It is, but, but don't we want it even more so in our lives and in our church? Absolutely. And so I want to talk some this morning about God, the Holy Spirit. So just a few clarifying thoughts on, on God, the Holy Spirit. First of all, he is not an it. Okay, he is not an it. He, he is a, he, he's, not, he's not a force, uh, he's not a power, it's not, may the force be with you, may the Holy Spirit be with you, it's, it's not like that. You don't have a relationship with a force. Uh, you don't have a relationship with, with, with power. But he is a person, not a person as we are a person, but we were created in his image. And so he's a person, in, so to speak, with personality, with a mind, a will, thoughts, emotions, desires. And, and if we, when we begin to think of him more as a person, then we're able to pursue that relationship and, and, and grow in our relationship with him rather than just an it, like an inanimate object. He is not an inanimate object. He is real. He's alive. He's active. He's functioning. And we think of him as a person, we're able to grow in our relationship with him. I When I... Uh, Part of my story, my spiritual journey, is that when I was, I put my faith in Christ when I was three years old. I uh, and some of you are like You're three, man, that's young, and it is young. But I, as much as I understood about who Jesus is and my need for sin, I don't know how bad you can sin as a three-year-old, but I knew, I do know, I was born into sin. Like I was, it's, it's, we're all born into sin with sin with coming short. And so I knew I needed a savior. And, and I, I had been taught about Jesus. And I remember sitting on my bed with my mom and her leading me to Christ and praying a prayer of, of Jesus, I confess I need you. I, I need you to save me. And I put my faith and my trust in Jesus. And I believe at that moment that I was, I was saved. I received the, the Holy Spirit when, it, when I was born again in that moment. 
But it was four years later when I was seven, and some of you are thinking, well, you're not that much older, <laughs> seven. But guys, there's no junior Holy Spirit. Like God is the same and regardless. And, and even Jesus, uh, the, the, uh, um, the disciples are trying to shoo the kids away, and, and Jesus is like, no, 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 no. Like as such is the kingdom of heaven, unless you have simple childlike faith of children, you can't even enter the kingdom of God. That there's a simplicity that children have that we can all really learn from and we can gain from. And I remember as a seven-year-old that, that I, I, I made the decision to follow Christ in water baptisms. And so in water baptism. So I was baptized in water. And in the same year, I was baptized in the Holy Spirit. And I'm, I'm telling you, it's radically changed my life of just fully surrendering to the Lord of just, and, and it changed my perspective. And, and my spirit, my Christian life was no longer just about me, but it was about what the Lord wanted to do in me and through me. And it was at that point that I really began to sense he wanted me to be a pastor. And I'm not saying it, as you're filled with the Holy Spirit, as you give, you know, surrender to him means you're going to be in vocational ministry. I'm not saying that. But what I am saying, and we'll read later in Acts 1 and 2, is that when we receive the Holy Spirit upon us, that, that there becomes this desire and this motivation of God for us to extend the kingdom of God and for us to minister and to be a blessing to others. And that's a part of what God wants to do in us. That's part of, of why we're not just raptured, and just go to heaven when we're saved because he has work here for us to do and we can't do it in our own strength. We're empowered by the Holy Spirit to do it. And so as we talk about the Holy Spirit, he's a person, it's a he, not an it. He is a he. Um, and I think it can be easy to get confused because of his name because it isn't really so much that the Holy Spirit is his name, but it's a description. You know, we think of God the Father, that's, that, that's a little bit easier description to understand. And so it's God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit. God is his name, and Spirit is his function. And he's not a less than part of the Trinity. It's not God light, right? I mean, it, he is fully God. One way to think about it is, is to just thinking about the Holy Spirit is that um, in the Old Testament, God the Father's out there. In the New Testament, God the Son is Emmanuel, God with us. And then we see in the book of Acts and then, and then forward through time, now it is God, the Holy Spirit, God in us. So God out there, God with us, God in us. And there's several places in Scripture where you see um, the, the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit, all together in one place. And I think one of the, one of the profound places, and it really has implication to what I'm going to talk about today, is found in Luke chapter 3. Luke chapter 3, verse 21, 22. This is, uh, Jesus is 30 years old. Um, he is about to launch his public ministry. John the Baptist is baptizing people in the Jordan River. And here he baptizes Jesus. And he says, when all the people were being baptized, Jesus was baptized too. And so if you've not been baptized in water, I want to encourage you to do so, to follow in obedience to do that as well. It's Jesus was baptized too. And as he was praying, heaven was opened. And the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove. So here you have Jesus. Now you have the Holy Spirit descending upon him. And a voice came from heaven. This is God the Father who said, You are my son whom I love, and with you I am well pleased. And so it's at this moment we see the triune Godhead all here together. And we see the Holy Spirit being poured out upon Jesus. And, and, and he's poured out on him at that point. And this is significant because we know he goes into the desert um, he fasts, he prays, he communes with God. He comes out of the power of the Spirit. 
the Bible tells us in Luke 4, it says, and the Spirit of God was upon him. And we never see a time in Scripture where it says the Spirit left him. And so what that tells us is that Jesus operated under the, in the power of the Holy Spirit in relationship with the Holy Spirit in ministry on earth. Well, why is that significant? Well, the reason it's significant is because 2,000 years later, as we read our Bibles, it would be easy for us to say, well, the reason Jesus could do what he did is because he's God. I mean, he's the son of God. He's God. And yes, Jesus is and was 100% God, 100% man. But he left those privileges in heaven, Colossians tells us. He didn't hold on to those. He didn't grasp those. He left those there and he took on human form. And he was dependent upon the Holy Spirit. The reason Jesus was able to do what Jesus did is because of the Holy Spirit being upon him. And that same Holy Spirit that is upon him is here with us today. And so it's not that we just say, well, you know, that's Jesus. No, that's, that's, that's not it. It's, it's the Holy Spirit was with him, and now the Holy Spirit is with us. In fact, I'm going to talk about this in just a little bit because he, said, he says it's real important that I go because i got to go so that I can send the Holy Spirit to be here among you and in you. And so it's important for us to remember that Jesus was empowered by the Spirit for ministry. And Jesus has some last words with his disciples as he prepares them to receive the Holy Spirit. He spent three years with them every day, every night. I mean, they have lived together. They have served together. They've eaten together. Uh, they've been in storms on the water together. I mean, they have done everything together. And they're so, they're just, they've, they've, they're the ministries together. And, and, and Jesus has poured his life to this point out to them. And he's about to pour, physically pour his life out. And they are, as, they are, as they're there, he gives them the very last words that he's going to share with them. Imagine if you're going to be leaving your family and you knew it, imagine some of the, what would, I mean, you would tell them how much you love them. Uh, you, would, you would give them the most important instructions that you could because you would want them to hold on to what really matters. And this is what he does. In his last, in his last moments with them, he begins to, this is in John 14, 15, 16, and 17. But in John 14, he begins to talk to them about, about what's going to happen. And he says, this is John 14, 16. He says, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate. And so just think about those words right there. Just kind of highlight those in your mind or in your Bible or on your app of just another advocate. Because I'm going to come back to those two words to help you and be with you forever. The spirit of truth, which is another name, a description of the Holy Spirit. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him for he lives with you. And will be in you. Again, those are words to, to, we're going to come back to. Lives with you and will be in you. And I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. So this is what Jesus says to him. He says, I am going. He says, I am going to give you another. There's another coming. But this is important to note because it is another of the same kind. That's what the Greek word means. There's, there's, there's two Greek words for another. There's another of a different kind, and there's another of the same kind. And so Jesus is saying, you will receive another of the same kind, the same substance. He was telling his disciples, in effect, the Holy Spirit and I are identical in every way. So by having him, it, is, it will be as if you still have me. And Jesus taught them 
that if the Holy Spirit resides within them, it is identical to having Jesus walk among us in the flesh. Now, I think there are those of us, and we could have the thought, I'm sure you've had the thought, I've had the thought, man, I wish I could walk with Jesus. Like, I wish I could be with Jesus. I wish I could see Jesus do what Jesus did. I wish I could see him perform miracles. I wish I could learn from him, just sit at his feet and learn from him. Has anybody ever had that thought? You guys ever? I've had that thought. But can I just confess that's faulty thinking? It's faulty thinking because Jesus said, I'm leaving, but I'm sending another of the same kind, which means that God, the Holy Spirit, is here with us right now, that in effect, Jesus, because of the Holy Spirit, is with us. And so it, everything we need, he is in our life right now. We don't need to go back 2,000 years, but it's a surrendering and of an understanding. And I know that's hard for us to wrap our minds around because we're so physically orientated. But the same Spirit of God is here with us today. When we get to heaven, there's not going to be more of God in heaven than there is God with us and in us right now. But that, that, that doesn't fully make sense to us. Now, when we get to heaven and have our glorified bodies, there will be restrictions that we'll be able to enjoy God in ways that we can't now because we'll lose some of those restrictions because of our earthly bodies. But, but God is the same. And he's saying, I, I am with you. He's like, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. You know what the Father's like, and you're going to know who the Holy Spirit is like because you know me, and we're the same. And so when we read our Bibles, the Holy Spirit can illuminate the words of Scripture to us. We can see him do great and mighty things in us and through us. And, and, and so here he goes, another advocate. So I want to talk about that word advocate for a moment, for a few moments. The word advocate. Uh, the Greek word there is paraclete. Not parakeet, in case you were wondering, but paraclete. And it's a Greek word, which means it's a lot of different, it's like, it's loaded. You, have to, you kind of have to unpack it. It means a lot of different things. It means it's a Greek word that means advocate, a one who comes alongside, comforter, friend, counselor, coach, helper, teacher. And so I wanted to talk about a few of these descriptions of who the Holy Spirit is and, and how I've seen him work in my life. As advocate, you know, a word we think of as advocate would be like an attorney, an attorney, one like a defense attorney, an attorney who would come alongside of you, one who would defend you, one who would represent you, one who would help you know who you are and what your rights are and would represent you and would defend you and work with you, that he's that advocate, uh, that he is that, uh, he's that teacher. Uh, John 14, we don't have this slide, but John 14, 26 and 27 says, the advocate or the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything that I have said to you. So he is our teacher. He will lead us into all truth, he says. Um, he'll tell us what we need to know, how we need to live. And, and, and it's, it's um, the way this happens is that he, I mean, he is the author of Scripture. I mean, think about that a moment. He is the author of Scripture. We know that all Scripture is God-breathed, which means it's Holy Spirit-influenced. And so Scripture is God-breathed. He, he wrote scripture. The Holy Spirit was present when everything happened that's in scripture. So we have the opportunity to read scripture, the word of the Lord, with the author right there with us to explain it to us, to help us understand it. We simply have to ask and listen. And, and he says he'll remind us, or Jesus tells his disciples, now, I know you're not going to remember everything I've taught you the last three years, but don't worry. Because the helper, the advocate, the teacher, he's going to come alongside and he is going to remind you of the words I've said. 
And so just as the disciples had to make a choice to follow Jesus and to listen to his teachings and his understandings, so we too have to make a decision to follow Jesus and to, and to put his word, as David says in the Psalms, to hide his word in our heart. And so our job is to take the word in, the word of God and scriptures in. And then as we do that, the Holy Spirit uses that to lead us, to guide us, to teach us, to direct us. But friends, we got to give them something to work with. You know what I'm saying? And so, but he does that. He works that in our life. He is our teacher right there with us. Step by step by step. He's the one who comes alongside of us. When we're down, when we're struggling, when we need encouragement, the Holy Spirit comes alongside of us and he carries us and he helps us. I'm going to show a video that you, you, you probably have seen before. Some of you are probably old enough to remember this moment in the 1992 Barcelona Olympics. But I want you guys to watch this video uh, we're going to have a few guys at home as well. And as you watch this, I want, there's going to be a person that you're going to see that's gonna, that you will identify as one who comes alongside another. As we watch this video, I just want the Holy Spirit to allow, to allow this video just to, to be relevant in your life, that you would see his role in our life. You'd roll the video. Tom Hammond and Craig Massback back at Olympic Stadium in Barcelona coming up to the men's 400 meter semifinals. Here are the lane assignments. Steve Lewis in lane three. Top four to Wednesday's final. Steve Lewis in lane three. Roberto Hernandez out quickly in four. Now down the back stretch. Ismael on the left of the screen is running very, very quickly. And inside of Lewis, Sunday Bada of Nigeria. And Derek Redmond of Great Britain has pulled up with an injury. Redmond is out. Derek Redmond, the British record holder and an important member of that British 4 by 400 meter relay team as he doesn't want anybody to help him. It'll be Lewis to win in 44.50. Look at this. He's going to try to finish his semifinal race. The British have a certain tradition of running, which you have to respect. A bizarre finish to this first semifinal in the men's 400 meters. Derek Redmond of Great Britain pulled up with an injury halfway down the back stretch. He's fighting off those trying to help him to finish the race in his lane. And now the pain too much. throughout Olympic Stadium as Redmond, with assistance this time, approaches the finish line he had wanted so desperately to reach.
Tom Hammond and Craig Massback back at Olympic Stadium in Barcelona coming up to the men's 400 meter semifinals. I love that video. I love the picture that it plays of the Holy Spirit in our life. And I think we can all relate to Derek. We all have been injured. We have all um, been hurt. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. We have all, we've all been there running the race of life. And I love the picture of this race because Hebrews chapter 11 describes our journey of faith as a race. And as it talks about this race, it says that there's a, a great cloud of witnesses that is surrounding us. And those are those that have gone before us, those that are in the Bible, our friends and our family that have gone on to be with the Lord. And the picture that um, Hebrews 11 paints is just like that Olympic stadium where they're cheering us on. They're, your grandma that prayed for you, she's cheering you on and she's saying, go for it. Don't give up. You can make it. And, uh, but we have these failings in life. We, have, we tear our hamstrings, so to speak, in life. And, but we're, we're trying to do the best we can, you know, and I love, I love what the commentator said. He said he wants to finish the race in his own lane. And that's an important statement because each one of us have our own race to run. I can't run your race. You can't run my race. We each have the lane that God has called us to run. And as we're running our individual race, as we're running that, and we have failings, and we have pain, we have affliction, we have difficulty. The Holy Spirit does just as Derek's dad did, Jim. He comes alongside of us. Isn't that a beautiful picture? To help carry us. We, we have to rely on him. We have to trust him. We have to put our, our, our cares upon him. We have to put our weight upon him and allow him to help carry us. And I heard you guys chuckle. And it was one of my favorite parts of the, of the video, too, where the officials or whoever it is is coming, trying to get them to quit, trying to get them to, to clear the racetrack. You know, you don't have to do this. Come on, just get out of the way. And I love what his dad does. He just, he can read it. He's like, back off. Get out of here. Get away. This is us. We're doing this. We're finishing this race. And there's so many voices in the world around us that try to discourage us. Some of you even well mean, oh, you don't have to. You don't have to endure. You don't have to live this life. You don't have to do that. And the Holy Spirit saying, shut up and, and back off. I got him. I got her. We're going to make this. We're going to finish this race, and we're going to finish it together. I just think it's a beautiful picture of one who comes alongside of us. He's our comforter. He's our comforter. And we need comfort in life, don't we? Life isn't easy. He's our comforter. And then later, Apostle Paul says, the same comfort that you've received from the Holy Spirit, now you can give that comfort to others. And so he is our, he's our comforter. You know, speaking of comfort, comforters, I, uh, I, I was reminded, I, was remember, I remembered a story. A few years ago, I was, um, we, we lived in Missouri several years ago, and it was a, it was a Sunday afternoon. I had preached, and, and I was at the house, and, and I've been a Cowboys fan my whole life. And so I was watching Cowboys game, and, and, and it was a cold day. I had a fire going, and, and uh, we had a, uh, Heather had this comforter on the couch. And so I, I mean, you know, comfort, comfort, there's a reason they call them comforters, right? Because they bring you comfort. And so I, I rolled up in this comforter, and I was laying on the couch watching the game. And Heather comes in, and she goes, she goes, what are you doing, Jay? And I said, I'm, I'm watching the, the Cowboys lose. And she goes, and, and she goes, uh, no, no, what are you really doing? I'm like, yeah, I'm watching Tony Romo choke another game. And, 
And she goes, no, that's not what I'm talking about. Why do you have my comfort? Why are you wrapped up in my comforter? And I'm like, what do you mean your comforter? Like it's on the couch. And she's like, no, that's not the comforter you use. That's the comforter you look at. Use this comforter over here, right? Anybody else have that issue in your house, guys? Or, or how about the towels, right? Like you have the towels you can use, and then you have the towels you can't use. Because they're guests. Okay, yeah. You guys know what I'm So what do you do when you're getting out of the shower and you forget to get the towels you can use? I mean, you have a hard decision to make then. Do you walk across the bathroom naked looking for a wet and naked looking for other towels, or do you use the, the towels you're not supposed to? I mean, these are real problems, right? <laughs> you know, some people treat the Holy Spirit that way. That he's they know he exists and always real, but in those times of difficulty, those times of pain, they don't use him. They treat him as a religious thing. They treat him as the comforter you don't receive comfort from. They treat him as the towel that you never use. And he's not intended to be that way. He is available. He is here. He is in us. He is among us. He is with us. He wants to bring us comfort. He wants to use us. He wants us to receive all that he has for us. He's our friend. He's our friend. Just as Jesus said, I will never leave you and I'll never forsake you. So he says the exact same thing. He's a counselor who listens and tells us what we should do and what we shouldn't do. He's the coach. And I think this is a great picture of the Holy Spirit. He's the coach. What does a coach do in your life? A coach instructs you. A coach encourages you. A coach dis brings discipline in your life. A coach teaches you. A coach, a coach has a different perspective than a player does. And he, can, he or she can point out blind spots and strategy and just things you don't see because of a different vantage point and because of experience. He is that in our life. He wants to be our personal coach if we will allow him to be that. He's our helper. And we use the word helper in our vocabulary. That would have a subordinate position. If somebody's your helper, then typically that would be subordinate on a flow chart. But just as Jesus was a helper for the disciples, he says, I'm going to send one who will help you. And he is not, we, he is not subordinate to us. And he is our teacher. And he said, and he goes, I'm not leaving you as orphans. He's not. He goes, I will come to you. And the Holy Spirit, and if you think of an orphan, you think of someone that is left alone, defenseless, without resource, helpless, without guidance and provision. That is not us. We have the Holy Spirit. We have him, we have him with us. And we think about the Holy Spirit. He interacts with us in three ways. And I'm just going to kind of wrap it up with this this morning. He interacts with us in three ways. With us, by drawing us to Jesus. Within us, upon receiving Jesus. And upon us and the power we ask for in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. That he's with us, he's within us, and he is upon us. So with us, when, we're, when he draws us to Jesus, when the Holy Spirit draws us, no one, none of us can come to the Father unless we are drawn by the Spirit of God. And this is what he says in, in John, 15, John 16, verse 5. He says, but now I'm going to go away to the one who sent me, and not one of you is asking where I'm going to go. Instead, you grieve because of what you've been told. He says, but in fact, it is best for you that I go away because if I don't, 
The advocate won't come. The helper, the coach, the one who comes alongside. It's better off for you that I leave because if not, he won't come. But if I do go away, then I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world of its sin, of God's righteousness, and of the coming judgment. That's what he does. He's with us. He convicts us. He draws us to Jesus. Jesus says it's better if I go away. It's better. And why is this? It's because there was just one of Jesus. He was limited to a physical body. And he said, it's better if I go away because if I go away, I'm going to send another. And he said, and the things I've I've done, you're going to do those things, but you're even going to do even greater things. And there'll be many more of us. And so it was the strategy of God that he would come and he would redeem his people uh, and, then, and then he would ascend to heaven, and then he would send the Holy Spirit. Because if Jesus would have stayed, it's just one. It's just one. But because he ascended to the Father, he, he died on the cross, he rose from the dead, then he ascended to the Father, then he sent the Holy Spirit, which we'll read in Acts 1 and 2, as he sent the Holy Spirit. Now, the Holy Spirit can be everywhere, all the time. I have an illustration I want to use. Matt, would you help me? Brent, would you guys help me up here? Yeah, just real quick, if you guys would. I, I didn't prep them for this, so maybe you guys can give them a round of applause for their bravery. So I think we're supposed to be social distance, right? So one of you get there, one of you get here, I'll get over here. So I want you to maybe give our camera guys a, I should have given a better warning for this. Um, so, so if this is Jesus, and again, any analogy can break down, right? So just work with me here. But if this is Jesus, and, and he's the light of the world, Right? He's the light of the world. And so he, he ascends to the Father. And he says, I'm going to send another who's of the same kind, same substance, same, same person. He said, I'm coming. And, and, and we know that John said, John the Baptist said, I baptize you with water, but there's one coming, speaking of Jesus, who will baptize you with fire. And so fire is often used as an illustration or a symbol of the Holy Spirit. Uh, the Lord's always using these natural words to help us try to grasp supernatural realities. And so just think of this candle as being the presence of the power of the person of the Holy Spirit. And I'm going to give you guys a candle. Give you a candle. And then, Matt, will you put your candle onto my candle and light your candle? Got it? How much of this candle dissipated? How much less? There's not less, is there? Here you go, Brent. Yeah, you see where I'm going with it. Yeah. <laughs> There's, because the Holy Spirit came. He's among us. He's with us. He's in us. He's upon us. And he's not dissipated. And so the whole world, everywhere, those of us who have our faith in Christ, we can bring the light of the gospel to the entire world. And we are the light of the world. We're a city set on a hill to declare the goodness of God and to display his glory. And it doesn't take away anything of who God is, and yet God is distributed among the earth in all of us. Thanks, guys. You can blow that out. In fact, I'll let you just take that with you, and you guys can just keep it as a souvenir. Thank you. (laughs) So he's with us by drawing us to Jesus. He's within us when we receive him. The same night that Jesus was sharing these, these truths of leaving, or, or actually, uh, excuse me, the night of the resurrection, we would think of Easter night, the night of the resurrection, he, after he rose from the dead, he came back, he was with his disciples, John chapter 20, 21 and 22, he said this, he said, peace be with you, as the Father has sent me, I am sending you, 
And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. I believe that's a point where the disciples were saved, what we would call born again, because the atonement had been made on the cross and he had resurrected from the dead and he breathed the Holy Spirit on them and they received the Holy Spirit at this moment. And as the Holy Spirit was within them, so it is with us. We put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit is within us. And the same, the same words here, for Greek but Hebrew in the Old Testament in Genesis is when, is when God formed Adam of the dust of the earth and he breathed in his nostrils, his breath of life, he came to life. And so when God breathes on us spiritually, we go from death to life and we receive the Holy Spirit. And then he is upon us in the power of the Holy Spirit when we ask for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. In Acts, and this is going to be your homework assignment, is to read Acts chapter 1 and 2. But in Acts chapter 1, he talks about, he says, this is, he's with them 40 days and he's about to leave. He's, a, he's about to ascend. And the last thing he says to them before he ascends to heaven is he says, he says, don't leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift of my father promised, which you've heard me speak about. For John baptized in water, but in a few days you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And then they gathered around him and said, Lord, are you, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? And he said, no, 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 you're, you're focused on the wrong things. Those aren't for you to know the times and the dates, but you will receive power. He's like, you guys need to wait for the Holy Spirit. I'm sending him to you. He was already in them, but he was going to place him upon them. And he says, but you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth, that they would receive power to do what God had called him to do. And then he ascended to heaven. And then 10 days later, the Holy Spirit descended. Acts chapter two, read it. And he descended on them and they were filled with the Spirit. And the, and the story of Acts begins of how the world has changed. And so we need the same power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. One of the verses I really love in regard to the Holy Spirit is Luke chapter 11, verse 13. It says this. This is what Jesus said. He said, what father among you, if his son asked for a fish, Will you give him a snake instead? We wouldn't do that as dads, would we, or, or as moms? If he asked for an egg, would you give him a scorpion? No, you're not going to do that. So if you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? He will give him to us. And so I just want this morning to ask you to allow yourself to become a place of habitation for the Holy Spirit. Will you welcome into your life in a new and a fresh way? You don't have to worry about getting tricked by God. You don't have to be afraid. Jesus said, if you ask, he will give him to you. And, and, and it's, it's, there's no bait and switch. It's all good. It's all good. Would you stand with me? And would